Give Bonafide a try today. No hormones and no prescription required. Real relief without compromise. To get 20% off your first purchase when you subscribe to any product, go to hellobonafide.com and use promo code Dr. Dweck. That's hello, B-O-N-A-F-I-D-E.com and code Dr. Dweck for 20% off at checkout. For best prices and free shipping, go directly to the hellobonafide.com website. This is their best offer anywhere. So check it out and use promo code Dr. Dweck. From Outside's Healthy Living Group, this is HLG's Talk Healthy Today podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Davis. So when I turned 43, I was suddenly really sweaty and cranky, wasn't interested in sex. My family hid from me. I felt this just incredible irritation with things that normally didn't irritate me. And I thought, what is going on? And I thought, oh, 43, must be time for perimenopause. Oh, good. (laughs) So the thing is, though, that yes, it can be a trying time, but there's also so many things that we can do. And I think the most important thing is to learn about it, understand it, and get great advice from people like Dr. Alyssa Dweck. Alyssa Dweck, MSMDFACOG, is a practicing gynecologist in Westchester County, New York. She provides care to women of all ages. She has delivered thousands of babies. A graduate of Barnard College, she has a master's degree in human nutrition from Columbia University and her medical degree from Hanneman University School of Medicine in Philadelphia, now named Drexel University. Dr. Dweck trained at Lincolnow Hospital in Wynwood, Pennsylvania, where she was chief resident in 1994. Dr. Dweck practices in Mount Kisco, New York and admits to Northern Westchester Hospital in Mount Kisco, New York. She has been voted top doctor in New York Magazine and Westchester Magazine. She is proficient in minimally invasive surgery. She has a special interest and expertise in female sexual health and medical sex therapy. She is a consultant at Massachusetts General Hospital, Vincent's Memorial, OBGYN Service, and adjunct assistant professor of obstetrics and gynecology, New York Medical College. Dr. Dweck is a co-author of three books, including the newest release, The Complete A to Z for Your V. Dr. Dweck has appeared on the Today Show and Good Day LA. She contributes regularly to multiple in-print and online media outlets. Dr. Dweck, so thrilled to have you on Talk Healthy today. Wonderful to be here. And let me say, Lisa, you're one of the highly educated who actually made the connection at the young age of 43 that some of the symptoms you were uh, managing might be hormone-related because so many people get really just blown away and taken by surprise with these symptoms, and there can be a disconnect for a little bit of time. Yeah, I think because I've been in the health field for so long, I was familiar, luckily. And I can't imagine not having that familiarity. So that's why I'm so thrilled you're here, because I want my listeners to benefit from your incredible wisdom. What is perimenopause? Sure. So let me go forward and just say menopause, by definition, means 12 consecutive months without your period after the age of 40 for your traditional menopause definition. 
There are years and years, sometimes up to eight or ten years, leading up to this milestone where hormones are very variable, waxing and waning, and symptoms of quote-unquote perimenopause are occurring. It often takes people by surprise because they're not necessarily expecting this ten years in advance, but the most iconic symptom of hot flashes and night sweats can occur. Most of the time, irregular bleeding is the telltale sign that something is changing. And this may prompt a visit to the gynecologist, for example, to uh, figure this all out. Now, I mentioned the crankiness. It was just so extreme. It felt bigger than myself. Have you heard that before? I've definitely heard that. I've also heard people describe, my moods are so out of control, I don't even recognize myself. Who is this person that I'm dealing with? And that can be really disconcerting. In part, this is just due to hormone changes. In part, this is due to the discomfort that hormone changes afford, like the hot flashes or night sweats. But even more than that, disrupted sleep which really can influence our moods in such a high degree because we become irritable and less tolerant of a lot of the uh, day-to-day circumstances that we normally just sort of let roll off our shoulders. So true. People who listen to the show, they know I'm all about sleep. I'm in bed between 8.30 and 9, seven days a week. I don't care who's visiting or what's going on. If you want to see me, let's go out to lunch. <laughs> it's like my little, because I just, <laughs> I, I know how important my sleep is. And so when you wake up and your sheets are wet because you're sweaty, and then you got to get up and you got to change the sheets and then you're uncomfortable and it takes a while to get back to sleep. It's so disruptive. You're so right. And not only is it the length or duration of your night's sleep, we usually recommend seven to eight hours, but it's the quality of sleep. So interrupted sleep throughout the night, even if you've had 10 hours in bed, it may only be a few hours of quality sleep, which really can, you know, really interrupt and interfere with your disposition during the day. We often talk about different methods to manage sleep hygiene in my office. So as you mentioned, perspiration can be a big deal. So keep a fan near the bed. Open the window if you're in a cool climate. Have a thermostat war with your partner if you have to so you can keep it at a low temperature. And make sure that the garment choices you wear to sleep are moisture wicking so that maybe perspiration won't be so uncomfortable as if you're wearing something super heavy or that holds on to moisture. The other changes I noticed were in my skin. It was this lovely combination of less elasticity and acne. (laughs) At the same time, painful cystic acne, like on my chin. Now, as a teenager, I got acne here and there, but I never had like the deep cystic kind. And I'm like, "Are, are you kidding me? Really? But that's common, right? It's very common. And this is for the most part caused by an imbalance of hormones. So normally we have this imbalance of estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone as teenagers. So acne is kind of expected, but in the perimenopausal time, the ratio of these three hormones may be altered and can lead to painful cystic acne on the face and also on the back. And of course, mask wearing right now may also worsen acne for some women. So that's just an additive uh, for uh, skin management. Yeah, you know, I found for my daughter, a silk mask has really helped. 
So just want to throw that out there for people who are, you know, experiencing that because it can be really difficult because you already feel lousy and you're like, oh, now my skin's different. And what are these, this, not even just lines, but the sagging, like things just seem to really shift. I noticed a big shift when, when I was in perimenopause. Yeah. And it is difficult because there is acne, which we typically associate with kind of oily skin, but then you have dry skin on top of it and changes to the architecture of the skin, mostly due to declining uh, collagen during this uh, perimenopausal and menopausal transition. So you're absolutely right. It's complicated. Now, what are some of the other symptoms that we didn't touch on, Dr. Tweck? Well, irregular bleeding is usually the telltale sign early on in perimenopause. And I will just make a plug to make sure that if you're sexually active with a male partner and pregnancy is possible, that you check for that first, because this is something we often don't think about in the perimenopausal transition years. After that, the irregular bleeding can be usually just chalked up to some variable hormones, but may need to be checked in with your gynecologist to rule out other issues. Hot flashes, night sweats are iconic symptoms, and these may come and go. They may be very severe, they may be moderate, uh, but they can really be disruptive day and night. So this can be addressed uh, in many ways, including lifestyle alteration and hormonal or more commonly non-hormonal management uh, measures. And then, of course, there's always the uh, mood changes that you spoke about, including irritability, uh, etc., and sexual changes, which really are, in for the most part, hormonally based, but are also life circumstance based. And so, so many aspects of a woman's life need to really be addressed when thinking about uh, sexual desire and discomfort and the like. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think lube is so important. You know, I used to be a sex educator. I have a master's in public health. And I've also written a book called Clean Eating Dirty Sex, which is not about dirty sex. It's just a play on words. But I look at what are you eating? Are you exercising? Are you communicating with your partner? There's a chapter on hormone hormonal health. And I think when you have to look at this from a holistic perspective to really understand what's going on and what you can do. And, and a moment ago, you alluded to lifestyle natural things you can do, and then hormonal things. Can you touch on some of those for us? Absolutely. So for sexual health in general, you know, distraction is a big, big deal during these perimenopausal and menopausal years. We may have responsibilities involving a high-powered job. We may have financial strain or responsibilities. We have partners to manage. We have households to run. We have perhaps kids that are interfering with privacy and also your uh, sleep, uh, for example. So these lifestyle measures can be at least managed with, like you said, an excellent diet. I tend to favor the Mediterranean diet for the menopausal woman or even intermittent fasting, which we can speak about a bit more if you like. But I've been doing that and I love it. Yeah. And it's a really good weight management tool because so many perimenopausal and menopausal women are complaining of difficulty managing weight with the same regimen that they've been following over the years. Uh, Number two, exercise. Aside from the fact that it's good for weight management and your heart health, it's awesome for your mental health. You secrete, as you well know, endorphins, which are feel-good chemicals in your brain and help with just your day-to-day sense of well-being. 
They, it also helps with, uh, you know, your, uh, your stress release so that you can, you know, get your aggressions out on the treadmill or outside rather than on somebody who you may be dealing with that day. So I think it's really good for disposition. And then any sort of mindfulness or meditation type of exercise just to help, again, with managing the day-to-day stressors of life. As far as other uh, lifestyle changes, moderate or minimize alcohol use, which is a big sleep disruptor, but also can have other health implications, as we know. Obviously, if you're a smoker, try to get rid of that. That has negative health implications on so many levels. And then, of course, you know, supplements might be very helpful for the non-hormonally inclined who are suffering with, uh, you know, hot flashes, night sweats, vaginal dryness, and uh, some of the other symptoms that we've been speaking about. Now, I had to have a hysterectomy when I was 48 because I had uh, cantaloupe-sized fibroids, uterine fibroids, and pushing on my bladder. And my mother had died of ovarian cancer when she was 57. And I thought, you know what, let's, I already had, I've had one child. That's all I wanted. I thought, you know what, let's just get it all out. But that puts you into medically induced menopause. So I got on some hormones prior to that because I just, I, I already felt like my perimenopause was giving me such hassle. How do you feel about that? Where do you stand on hormone replacement? Love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, sure. And I'm really glad you asked this because... There is absolutely no one-size-fits-all for women who are traversing this situation. And truly, some women will just navigate perimenopause and menopause without having to intervene at all, other than maybe some of the lifestyle measures we spoke about. Others on the complete other end of that spectrum are really severely affected and distressed with their symptoms, literally cannot go to work, cannot manage their relationships, really having trouble managing their day-to-day quality of life. And I'm in favor of hormone therapy as a option for these people. Um, In the middle, however, there are lots of other options for those who either cannot take hormones or don't want to take hormones because, after all, hormones do come with some baggage and some risk. And there are some women, for example, those who have had breast cancer or those who have another hormonally sensitive cancer or those who perhaps have a propensity towards blood clotting, they can't take hormone therapy, so we must have other options. What can we turn to? Well, I usually run the gamut of, you know, conservative options to more aggressive options. So first would fall into the herbal category. There is a Swedish flower pollen uh, extract supplement called Relizin. This has clinical studies behind it to support safety and efficacy for hot flashes of menopause. And women do very well on this. So this is oftentimes my first go-to non-pharmacologic option. And I like that there's science behind it. Number two, there are other herbal supplements that run in the phytoestrogen family. These are estrogen-like compounds derived from plants, but they are not estrogen. They have been shown to be helpful in some women, although there is a high placebo effect with these products. Number two would be, believe it or not, antidepressants. There are several antidepressants that are prescription that have been helpful for hot flashes and actually have FDA indication for this. And does this mean you have depression? Absolutely not. 
but on a side note, it might help for those women who are prone to depression or perhaps need a little bit of extra help in the mental health uh, uh, realm. So that's an option. They do come with some side effects as well, so it's important to discuss those. Third, there is a, you know, a neurologic medication called gabapentin. This has been particularly helpful for those women who might have anxiety or have trouble with uh, sleep, so sometimes we'll turn to that. But hormone therapy, which would either include estrogen replacement with or without progesterone, a second hormone for those people who still have a uterus in place, is absolutely an option short-term or longer-term for those who need it. So I know that's quite simplified, and I'm happy to address any other nuances, but that's sort of the realm of, uh, of options available. And I think it's really important to take every individual you know, circumstance into account when making these shared decisions. Well, I agree. It's so interesting because I don't have a uterus, but I too I do take progesterone. It tends to help me sleep. So you had just said for people who have a uterus. So is it odd that I'm taking it because I don't have a uterus or have you seen that before? Not at all. Not at all. And I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't want to confuse the issue by adding that at the time, but there is a particular type of progesterone, especially that is micronized and bioidentical, meaning it's the same chemical structure as what you know, we make on our own, which actually helps with sleep. Yeah, I take that kind. So that even in people who might not have a uterus and don't need the usual uterus protection from cancer that estrogen can cause, the progesterone component may still be quite helpful, especially when it comes to improving sleep quality and quantity. Hi, it's Lisa. Just wanted to pop in real quick and just say... I am doing a book giveaway for my book, Clean Eating, Dirty Sex. It's a cookbook, a memoir, a healthy lifestyle guide. It's not about dirty sex. It's a play on words. And anyway, it's really about overall health. All you have to do to enter is just sign up for my monthly newsletter. It takes a second. Just your name, boom. Your email, boom. And... You're going to get great information, great tips, great recipes in the newsletters, as well as find out some big, exciting things that I have coming up that you don't want to miss. So go to lisadavismph.com today. All right, back to the show. Oh, that's great. You know, I want to jump back into sexual health. I think there's this shame that women have around dryness, and we shouldn't. It's just it happens, right? And I think I mentioned lube earlier. I'm such a big fan of lube. I think it's so important and you'll find the one that works for you. But this idea that, oh, well, my partner's going to think I'm not getting turned on or like, what do you talk about with your patients? I'm just curious because it, it, it can really affect your self-esteem. No question. And I talk about all of that. So number one, our partners can't read our minds. You know, they don't necessarily know what's going on in our vaginas. So I think it's important that this is a a topic of discussion, if comfortable, in whatever euphemistic or anatomic way you feel you need to discuss that with your partner. But it is a fact of life that less estrogen means less blood flow to the vagina, which could translate to dryness and discomfort with sex. So I'm a big fan of using a lubricant as an on-demand product to facilitate and even enhance pleasure when it comes to sex, particularly penetration. But one thing that doesn't get as much attention as it should, is a regular regimen of vaginal moisturizing. Mm. 
We, after all, spend an awful lot of time moisturizing our faces or our bodies, and we don't think twice about doing that day-to-day because, after all, our skin is exposed to the environmental forces every day and to aging and less collagen, so we take care of it. The vagina needs just as much TLC, coming from a gynecologist here and a woman, so a regular vaginal moisturizing regimen, once, twice, even three times a week, depending on what product you use, is vital to maintain moisture. Once again, this can come in the form of a non-estrogen formula. So hyaluronic acid is a natural moisturizer. It can be found in many vaginal moisturizers. A lot of my patients do love a little insert called Reverie, which contains hyaluronic acid, used two to three times a week regularly. Others prefer more more of a gel formulation. And then there's also vaginal estrogen, which is minimally absorbed and another option or alternative alternative for those who are candidates who prefer that route. Again, used regularly, these can be game changers to help manage the vaginal dryness and get rid of the avoidance that women face when they uh, have to manage sex. And avoidance can lead to lower sexual drive. So we, we need to nip this in the bud. Yeah, we do. You know what I use? And I'm glad you're here because I'm hoping this is okay. So I found a jar of, at a health food store, a pure shea butter. And I just take a little and put it in my vagina and it is so amazing, especially because I tend to have, I'm very candid, obviously. I have something called urethral syndrome, which I'd love to ask you about where my, I feel like there's like a scratchy sensation in my urethra sometimes. I don't, there's no pain. I, I get tested. It's not bacterial infection or something. I don't have interstitial cystitis, but sometimes I put the shea butter up there. Boom. It's gone. Like the whole area feels better. Have you heard of that before? Both the shea butter and the urethral irritation? Absolutely. Yeah. So first, just in regard to the urethra, and of course, I'm not a urologist, but if you know, we talk about the vulva to include all external structures, including the urethral opening. And estrogen declines during menopause affect the urethra and the entire vulva in addition to the internal vagina. So this is why we actually have renamed the syndrome of vaginal dryness or vaginal atrophy to now be called GSM or genitourinary syndrome of menopause because it's all incorporating of the vulva, the urethral opening, and all of the structures that belong to the vulva. So yes, it makes perfect sense that your urethra may feel irritated, at least in part as a result of low estrogen. Now to shea butter, sure, whatever works for you is appropriate as a moisturizer. So I have a lot of patients who use shea butter, even more so that use coconut oil, which we recommend all the time for vulvar and vaginal moisture and lubrication. So these uh, sort of household items can be quite useful and effective. The one comment I will make is about anything that's petrolatum-based. So things like Vaseline, which not to give any bad name to Vaseline because plenty of women do use this or mineral oil or baby oil, and women do use this with success. Petrolatum products have been linked with bacterial bacterial vaginosis and pH changes in the vagina. So this is something to keep in mind if you are someone sensitive to these items. Oh, well, that's so good that you mentioned that. You know, the other thing I'd like to mention too is that I'll wear a panty liner because sometimes if I put a little too much, you know, then it warms up and it's like, oh. Yeah. 
you know, I want to get back to communicating with your partner. It can be so important. They might not know what's going on. You might say, oh, I'm going through perimenopause. And they're like, well, what's that? I mean, do you recommend that they, if they have an open partner where they can share and they can say, hey, do you want to read this? Do you want to know more? Do you want to know why I've been so up and down? Do you want to know why my, you know, our, my sexual drive has waned or, you know, why I'm using more lube or, you know, how do you, how do you approach those conversations? It's a direct approach, in my opinion. You know, I think that uh, people know their partners best, so they may know what terms or words to use to make somebody comfortable or at least not make them uncomfortable. But overall, I think it has to be direct, Uh, especially um, when it comes to dryness, because this may not be something visible to the outside. um, And so uh, partners need to sort of be just brought into the loop. The other issue is to turn it positive, you know, turn a moisturizer lubricant protocol into uh, something to enhance pleasure rather than just to aid with a problem. Um, So I think that's important. But again, back to what's recognized for men, at least when they're having erectile issues, it's something that's visible usually with vaginal dryness or decreased blood flow to the vagina, it may not be something that's visible, although partners, male partners specifically, might be able to feel that there's dryness. Uh, but uh, most people don't want to hurt their uh, female partners. So I think direct conversation is best. Now, of course, you brought up earlier that you can still get pregnant during perimenopause. And so if you are using condoms as birth control, you do not want to use any oil-based lubricants. You got to make sure that you're using water-based lubricants. Very good point. And absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, like, for example, I, I'm, I can't get pregnant anymore. So that, there's a there's a good side to that. <laughs> you know, we don't have to use any birth control anymore. And so if I put the shea butter in and then we had sex later, it'd be fine. But I'm guessing if you still have a chance to get pregnant, you might want to look at the ingredients of what you're putting in for dryness to make sure it wouldn't disrupt a condom or just wait or if you have any advice on that. Yeah, sure. Well, for look, the pregnancy rates are surely lower. Of course. And uh, it, it's more difficult to get pregnant in your mid to late 40s, but it's absolutely not impossible. So if you're still getting your period and you're still having sex in a heterosexual way, you need to be mindful of that. On the other hand, there are many, many women who are using some sort of contraception that's either hormonal or like an IUD that that's not hormonal that might be helping to control their flow. So for example, birth control pills are often used to control the irregular flow for perimenopausal women. And by the way, they also give great birth control. So that's helpful. Many women have, you know, maybe been suffering with um, uncomfortable and heavy bleeding as it relates to perimenopause. So they may get a hormonal IUD to help manage that. And by the way, that also provides contraception. So sometimes you can get dual benefit from some of these uh, contraceptive measures. Oh, that's great. Now, I read that the average age age is 43, but it can be even earlier 30s for some women, if you can touch on that. Well, the average age of menopause, again, 12 months without your period, is 51 and a half, approximately. So if you just extrapolate, you know, four to 10 years from that, we're looking at, you know, usually after 40, but not always. And again, there's a bit of a disconnect with the early symptoms of hormonal changes and symptoms so that it may not be recognized until even a few years later. Well, Dr. Dweck, I'd love for you to tell us about your three books. You've got the complete A to Z for your V. 
so clever. The sexual spark, V is for vagina. I'd love for you to tell us about these and just give us some information. I highly encourage people check them out. Thank you so much. Sure. Well, uh, so truth be told, V is for vagina was my first book. And, you know, we weren't in quote unquote modern times because I had a lot of trouble with that title. And I had a lot of media organizations and platforms that just really weren't hip to the word vagina in the title. In fact, one story, I was sitting in a green room ready to go on to an early morning TV show, and they nixed it at the last moment because advertisers were concerned about that hour of the day and the word vagina. Now, granted, we've come a really long way from there. When was that, I have to ask? That was in 2012. That seems so ridiculous. Now, I had so much trouble with my book, Clean Eating, Dirty Sex. They didn't see the dirt. It was just to play off the word clean. I was trying to be funny. If they even read the press release, they would see it's a cookbook, a healthy lifestyle guide, and a memoir. But it's so frustrating when there's certain words. But, okay, I can give some people not understanding and not liking the word dirty. But vagina? Right? I mean, that's why we have to talk, tell our kids young, I think. That's not my woo-woo. That's, that's your vagina. That's your penis. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we don't, we don't uh, skirt the issue with other terms. So long story short, I decided to take the opportunity to revamp that book, update it, because, you know, things in healthcare do change over time, and euphemize the title. And now it turned into the complete A to Z for your V. So it you know, it became a much more updated, comprehensive guide to vaginas, and I let people use uh, their imaginations when it came to the title, and it was better received by uh, by all. Um, so that's a fun book, and you know, really spans the ages. It could be, uh, you know, doesn't have to be read in order or cover to cover, but rather used as a guide uh, to vaginas. So I'm I'm very uh, proud of that one. The middle book about. Uh, the uh, sexual spark is really more of a guide for not only readers and patients of mine, but for other practitioners who want to be able to help their patients guide uh, a plan to enhance their libido a little bit if they might be suffering with lower desire. So we really, I wrote this with a colleague of mine who's also a sexual health expert, and we really just made an outline and a guide. You know, I think there's some confusion, too, around the vagina in terms of some people say the vagina is self-cleaning, which I believe. And do we even need all these products? These, I feel like a lot of them are filled with chemicals or, or fragrances, things that would just disrupt your pH. Am I on the right track there? You are on the right track. Now, truth be told, some women can put anything in the vagina and have absolutely no trouble whatsoever. So we need to put those people sort of aside because this is uh, somewhat of an individual choice. But there are many women, particularly those who are starting this perimenopausal journey where your hormones are changing and things may be coming a little bit more sensitive in the uh, genital and intimate tissue, it's important to be very mindful of ingredients. So yes, fragrances dyes, harsh chemicals, they can all wreak havoc, alter pH, and cause symptoms of infection or sensitivity. So I think it's important to vet ingredients uh, carefully. Um, As far as pH, you know, the microbiome and pH of the vagina is all the rage right now. We're learning so much more about it and understanding that there really is a balance between good bacteria called lactobacilli 
and not as good bacteria that are usually anaerobic. And when they become out of whack in the vagina, pH changes and we can notice discharge, odor, discomfort, itching, even outright infection with something called BV or bacterial vaginosis or yeast as a result of this imbalance. So it's important to be mindful of all the disruptors, chemicals included, that can lead to these changes. Now, when you were doing the book, The Complete A to Z for Your V, was there anything you found out about the vagina that surprised you? There's always a surprise coming down the pike when it comes to <laughs> vaginas and uh, sexual health. I think uh, the the big surprises came in myths. You know, there are so many myths out there about vaginal health and gynecologic health, and those are the most fun things to address because it's just very interesting to learn about you know, little tidbits or pearls that people may have learned through the generations from their family members or friends that are either really myths or kind of cool truths that we should pass along. So, Well, what are some of those? I'd love to know. Oh, yeah. So I guess things that come to mind. So apropos our conversation that you can't get pregnant after the age of 40. That's a huge myth. You absolutely can, as we've spoken about. So that was a useful one to dispel or at least explain. I think another myth that uh, always uh, always gave me a little chuckle was um, about IUDs in general. IUDs have come a long way since back in the day when they were considered super dangerous and for good reason, but they've advanced so much right now in terms of their makeup and the way that they work and the strings that are used. But things like if I put a tampon in, I will dislodge my IUD. That's a myth. That's pretty impossible to dislodge an IUD with a tampon. Uh, Or that if you put your finger in your vagina, you can physically pull out your own IUD. Or that you can't exercise with an IUD. So these were myths that I was very pleased to be able to dispel. Uh, So things like that. I think women need to learn about their cervixes, apparently. Right. And if you can talk about that, the reason you can't do these things is there something called the cervix it was at, it, at the top of your vagina, which is going to keep you from reaching in and grabbing that IUD. Yeah, your cervix essentially is the lower portion or entrance to the uterus. This is the knobby structure made um, of material that almost feels like the tip of your nose if you're feeling it inside the vagina. I can't tell you how many women have come in and said, oh my God, I have a huge lump in my vagina. Please tell me I don't have cancer. I'm very scared. And it turns out that total reassurance can be provided. And this is just the cervix that they've never actually felt before. So uh, this is another myth that I'm very happy to dispel. Uh, So yeah, very interesting things come about. And I learn this from my patients every day. Oh, I bet. I know. You know, I remember in college reading our bodies ourselves. It was so eye-opening. I thought, this is amazing. You know, my daughter's 17. We've been talking about stuff since forever. And she's just so in touch with herself. And I think it's so important to have these conversations. Obviously, age-appropriate, what you bring up. But just kind of knowing your physiology, at least, or your anatomy and what's going on down there. So you're not just clueless and, and then scared, right? You know, I had a friend uh, who didn't want to tell his daughter about periods. And she was clearly at 10 already had breast buds. And, you know, she just was one of those kids where you can tell. And I thought, she's going to be terrified. Like, I think we have to talk about these things. 
Yeah, and pictures go a long way, you know, real pictures. I will say the internet has changed my practice in such a good but kind of scary way because, you know, people of all ages, but particularly the young ones who come in for their maybe their first exam, even if they're 13 to 15 or 16 so young, uh, have, have really learned a lot, which is wonderful, but also might get a warped view or some misinformation about their gynecologic health and their anatomy. So I'm glad we get those patients in pretty early, even if it's just as an educational visit. I will say there's a lot of really good information out there, and I'm learning through the years all, you know, so many new platforms and products that have an educational arm to their uh, websites and all. So I think a lot of these are helpful. I will just go back to one other myth because you're a sex educator, so you'll probably get a chuckle out of this one. But I think the best myth that I love to dispel is all about the clitoris because it isn't just a tiny little speck in the intimate area, but rather extends quite you know, extensively down through the labia medora and uh, into the vulva. So that's a, a myth that I do like to discuss. Yeah, that is a well. good one. I like. I picture it like a tree with the roots. Or a wishbone. Yes, the wishbone. That is a really good analogy. Could you go back and tell us again, you had mentioned one of the herbal supplements that you said was helpful with the hot flashes. What was that called? Yeah. So the s- supplement that I was speaking of is called Relizin. R-E-L-I-Z-E-N, Relizin, again, it's studied. So we have a lot of clinical work and study behind it to confirm its safety and efficacy. It is not a phytoestrogen, but rather made from a Swedish flower pollen and probably works through serotonin-type pathways in the brain to help with control and management of hot flashes and night sweats related to menopause. Studies have shown, and I feel that I should be transparent and let you know I am the chief medical officer of Bonafide Health that makes Relizin, but this is the reason I can stand behind it so uh, supportively because I know all the studies that have been done on this uh, material, and it's been a game changer for many of my patients who, number one, don't want to take hormones or cannot take hormones or really want to stay in the more natural realm to manage their symptoms. Oh, that's great. Well, Dr. Dweck, I've followed your career, and I mean, if you look up and take in the dictionary, there should be a picture of you. So it's so clear that you have the passion and the knowledge. Yeah. And the work that you're doing is so wonderful. I did want to ask one more thing about the microbiome. So I take a really good probiotic every month with tons of science and research behind it. I'm very science-based as well. And it's funny because I just think about it for my gut, but you had mentioned the microbiome of the vagina. I haven't even, that hasn't even been on my radar until you brought it up. So just expand on that just a little bit in the last few minutes. Yeah. That's fascinating. Well, look, we talked about the vagina being self-cleaning, and one of the ways that it is so incredible is that it has its own unique microbiome, an ecosystem of bacteria, fungi, yeast, that, and, and viruses that, uh, you know, kind of all live together in uh, perfect harmony, if you will. <laughs> and anything that disrupts that causes trouble. So thankfully, there have now been people really researching the unique biome of the vagina because it's not the same as the gut biome. And the biome of the vagina changes with menopause. So it's important that we address that. So for some of my patients who are struggling with constant 
recurrent infections or just symptoms that are bothersome and not only related to dryness, for example, itching or discharge. There are probiotics that are specifically designed to optimize the vaginal biome. So these have been really helpful for lots of my patients and uh, in fact, Bonafide does make one called Claire V. And once again, there are many, many studies that suggest safety, efficacy, and the fact that these are directed towards vaginal health rather than other biomes in the body. So I think these can be quite helpful for the right person. Oh, that's fantastic. Dr. Dweck, I enjoyed this so much. You are welcome here anytime on Talk Healthy today. Well, Dr. Dweck, was there anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to touch on around perimenopause, sexual health, that I want to make sure that we do? I've just had such a great time so far. We're not done yet, but I just wanted to, you know, check in and make sure. Yeah. Well, I think the, uh, parting tone that I always like to leave with any audience is that menopause is really a very positive time for so many women. And it may come along with some negative circumstances or some negative feelings like we were talking about hot flashes or irritability, but in fact, a very positive time that we should embrace positively. Uh, and, And I think that's just so important because I'm really tired of it being framed as a you know, a Debbie Downer type of negative time in our lives. So uh, that that's a, a parting thought for you. Truly fabulous. Tell us all the ways we can learn more about Bonafide and more about you and your wonderful work. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here and, and talk about what I what my day-to-day is like. So uh, my website personally is drdweck.com. I do work with Bonafide Health, and I'm a, a proud supporter of uh, their products. And Bonafide Health, hellobonafide.com is the website. Uh, so take a peek. And yes, I, I hope uh, at some point to put out some more and up-to-date information about everything vagina. Yes, I think that's fantastic. Again, Dr. Dweck, thank you so much. It's been such a great conversation. Agree. Thank you. Likewise. Have a great day. Give Bonafide a try today. No hormones and no prescription required. Real relief without compromise. To get 20% off your first purchase when you subscribe to any product, go to hellobonafide.com and use promo code Dr. Dweck. That's hello, B-O-N-A-F-I-D-E.com and code Dr. Dweck for 20% off at checkout. For best prices and free shipping, go directly to the hellobonafide.com website. This is their best offer anywhere. So check it out and use promo code Dr. Dweck. Thank you so much for listening to Talk Healthy Today. Please do rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And also, if you want some behind the scenes on Talk Healthy Today or a chance monthly to win my book, Clean Eating Dirty Sex, which is a memoir, cookbook, healthy lifestyle guide, it's the title is just a play on words, please go to www.lisadavismph.com. Sign up for my newsletter. And once a month, you'll be getting some great information as well as being entered into a contest to win my book. So again, go to www.lisadavismph.com. Get more on Talk Healthy Today and keep coming back. There's always great information. Thank you.